Pastor Xavier Rees says, don't learn the tricks of the trade, learn the trade. There's a Jewish saying that says, he who does not teach his son a trade, teaches him to steal. Proverbs 11:18 says, the wicked man does deceptive work, but he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. Everybody's into fast schemes. Work is to be honest and honorable, having his house in order. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The German proverb wisely says, God gives the birds their food, but He doesn't throw it into their nests. And in today's Simple Truths study, Pastor Xavier provides some background for the Eighth Commandment, You Shall Not Steal, by thoroughly illustrating how God honors work, a central pillar for a morally responsible society. Let's listen. The title of the article is, Sometimes the Most Loyal Employees Are the Biggest Thieves. It says, a new study says you may be working in the den of thieves. An overwhelming 79% of workers admit they have or would consider stealing from their employers. According to a survey released last week for forensic accounting firm Michael G. Kessler and Associates. And the loot is far more sophisticated than mere pens and paper clips. Computer software, office appliances, accounting books are all prime targets for would-be pilfers and grafters. One out of the three companies that go bankrupt each year do so as a result of employee theft, costing business between $60 billion and $120 billion a year, according to prior studies. In fact, only 8% of respondents in the Kessler study said they steal because they need to. And 49% said they steal out of greed, while 43% said they do it to get back at their employer. This is the kind of people, the humanistic education of our public schools and universities have produced in the last 40 years or so, believing that God does not exist and that man is simply a product of the evolutionary process, introducing young people with psychological self-esteem to love themselves and remove their sense of guilt from their evil lifestyle. What a difference from past generations that believed in God, even though not all were Christians. They at least had a moral and ethical base, the understanding of absolute objective truth, authority, submission, And those being a norm and essential keys for an orderly society, producing in them social graces, decency, and civil order. What a contrast. As I told you, I really didn't go to school back in the Stone Ages in the 60s. I would get kicked out of school at Baldwin Park High School if my teacher wasn't tucked in. 1968, I graduated. If my hair was over my ear. We've come a long ways. We've got metal detectors in schools. Kids graduate without being able to read. Now don't forget the background of these Ten Commandments. Moses is receiving 
the moral law, known as the Decalogue, in order to establish a moral, responsible society and holy theocratic nation of Israel. Exodus 19 showed us that. Peter cross-referenced it with the church in 1 Peter 2 also. Now, the Ten Commandments are God's revelation to live life in accord with their holy God. Not so much to restrict the people, but rather to guide them to experience life to its fullest, safeguarding them from enslavement to degeneracy. The Ten Commandments stand high above all moral systems of human history. According to Jewish tradition, they are considered, quote, the pillars of the law and its roots. These basic laws are concise, as you have seen up to this point, comprehensive, saturated with simplicity and incredible depth of value, declaring the very fiber and key to an orderly, civil, and safe society for people. They are elementary and have existed from the very beginning, even before the fall of man, for each expresses the moral attributes of God that are imparted to man. Now, the content of the Ten Commandments are found in legal codes of antiquity and all forms of human government. And particular, the second table that we're in now that man is dealing with, all know that murder is wrong. Well, beginning with dishonoring parents, honor your father and mother. It's basic. It's wrong. Murder, adultery, stealing, which we'll look at this morning, false witnessing, coveting, they're all wrong. Yet, it is normal practice for so much of American society. And I think I would be safe to say the world. And so we come to the Eighth Commandment. You shall not steal, which once again we want to approach from a threefold perspective. It simply reads, you shall not steal. Here's the three. The proclamation of the commandment, the interpretation of the commandment, and the protection of the commandment. The proclamation of the commandment, once again, it's important to see how these things play out here. The Eighth Commandment is the uh, fourth in the second table of the laws, you can see. The second table, as we have stated repeatedly, deals with man's relationship to man. Uh, righteousness, right living, the horizontal plane, the matter of right conduct towards our fellow man. The second table is the product of the first table, the source of man's relationship to God. Everything begins there. Everything is premised upon that key relationship. The vertical axis is the priority, understanding and believing who God is according to his revelation, not to our opinion or imagination. The horizontal plane man receives the benefits of our relationship of knowing God. The second table is parallel to the first, as we've noted before, the first commandment being the foundation, as we said, of the next three, an extension of the first, and the fifth commandment being the foundation of the last five, an extension of the fifth. The two tables 
have a very clear order. We've noted it at, other, at certain times, the first table of man's relationship. Uh, the first two deal with thoughts. The third with words. The fourth with deeds. In the second table, man's relationship to man, the sixth, seventh, and eighth with deeds. The fifth being parents is the hinge between the two, a parallel to the first. God being the creator, parents being the creators to an extent of the child. The ninth with words and the tenth with thoughts. So you have an ascension and then descension, beginning with thoughts and ending with thoughts because God is the only one who knows our thoughts. Psalm 139, 2. We are not mind readers. People try. People say they can. And people try to make a lot of money in attempting it. But no one can do that. That is why the greatest commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, and soul and our strength. According to Deuteronomy 6, 5 and the words of Jesus in Matthew 22, 37 through 8. Now, Notice the Eighth Commandment is based on the Judeo-Christian understanding then that God has created and as creator has provided for those who he has created. In other words, the very root of the negative command, you shall not steal, is based on the premise that God as a faithful and good creator will provide what man needs each in its order and its kind according to the word. It's simple. God created all things that are in existence. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's the proclamation. And then he gives you the condition of the earth in verse 2 prior to the creation. And then he gives you from verse 3 on down the process of creation. He created everything. He spoke them into existence, the word bara, out of nothing. He assembled other things that he created from material he created, Asa. And he therefore is the author and the source of all material things, including mankind. God created the material world for the provisions of man to enjoy life. The air is delicately held in balance to sustain life. The chances of that combination and the amount in our atmosphere to appear by chance or by evolutionary process, no one would ever live. It's perfect. All the conditions of the earth have to have existed always for life to exist. If that delicate balance is not there, as the evolutionary model says, then you can't live until you get there. It's a whole system, ladies and gentlemen. Put on your thinking cap. The sun is perfectly located the right distance from the earth or we would freeze or boil to death depending what direction it would go. The moon controls the sea tides. The seasons are constant and provide man for planting crops and calendars. The ability of all of God's creation to produce after its kind in this various ways is incredible. The land animals, depending on the size and their ability to survive, will produce in their needed numbers for the balance needed. The birds of the year migrate at certain times of the year. 
Some of them never having been there for the first time arrive right on spot, right on time. Some of them just weighing ounces, though they encounter 100-mile winds, arrive on time. (laughs) So next time you call somebody a bird brain, that's a compliment. (laughs) We don't understand how marvelous a bird is. Or we say, you, are, you eat like a bird, meaning little. Really, a bird eats five times its own weight. The sea life, depending on its size and level of food chain, will multiply according to its needed balance for both animal and man. I understand that some species are extinct because of man's evilness and certain simply sports or financial, which... The heart is greed, but God's creative order is sufficient and it maintains itself. We mess it up. The incredible ways and methods by which trees, plants pollinate is marvelous. For the balance of nature, even taking photosynthesis of plants, carbon monoxide, and taking it in and excreting oxygen and you really think this evolved? <laughs> what happened between point A and point Z? How could you survive when the balance wasn't exactly right? Everything would have to evolve at the same level. There could be no difference. And if all could exist at the previous level without the right balance, that's non reason, that's non logical. It can't be. Now all of these are that man might be able to have food to eat, houses to live in, and clothes to wear. This is for the believer, as well as the non-believer, by the way. God created all. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 5, 44 and 45. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those that curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who decisively use you and persecute you, that you may be, be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun, or his son, rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. God provides for all. He didn't say, well, you're a pagan. I'm not going to provide food for you. He's the creator. So he's merciful. He's good. Now, the Eighth Commandment is based on the Judeo-Christian understanding that man was to work for his provisions then. Genesis 2.15. God gave to Adam the biblical work ethic even before the fall. He says, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. The first word tend means to labor, simply to work. The second shamar means to preserve by keeping watch and protecting it due to being in charge. So even from the beginning, Adam was to work. God always had physical labor in mind for man to sustain life in his existence, to eat he had to go out and to gather his food. To continue to eat, he would have to care for the garden. 
to have a sense of personal satisfaction and accomplishment as the head of the home as he cared for his wife Eve, his children Cain, Abel, and Seth. There is a sense of accomplishment, a sense of relief and peace when you as the head of the home can do that. God, after the fall, pronounced to Adam the difficulty his physical labor would be from that point on in Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 through 19. It says, Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herbs of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread." Till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Adam brought hard labor on himself through disobedience. Everybody always wants to blame God. The world we see today is not the result of what God intended. It's the result of man's disobedience, rejecting what God intended. Yet we want to blame God for it. Physical labor would be through toil, meaning pain, hardship, and sorrow. It was easy before. Now it would be very, very difficult. Through the sweat of his face, he would eat bread. Adam would die physically and would return to the ground from which he was taken. There's a Jewish saying that says, He who does not teach his son a trade teaches him to steal our high schools. At that time, when you can learn the most and, and produce the most intellectually, you're allowed to pollute yourself and to be undisciplined. Give them four years of trade schools and academics. For those who want to go on to college, those who don't, they have a trade. Four years of being a carpenter, electrician, a plumber, whatever it may be. So when they get out of high school, they go to college or they go to work, not to party for the next 20 years and do nothing. Work is good for men. It's part of God's created orders we've seen. Today in America, we have too many lazy people. You say, that's not very nice. That's the truth. It may not be nice, but it's the truth. The sad statistics of workers in America is that they have no work ethic, and I, I don't think it's a surprise to you. They want to do the least to get through the day. Not everybody. You've got your good workers, but for the most part. Um, The youth wants to start at $50 an hour, having no experience. Um, Many adult men will not take a certain job because it's beneath them, yet they have a wife and children to support. When I grew up, you worked as much as you had to, and you worked two or three jobs if you needed to, and that's just what you did. Um, It's a different work ethic today. Um, Proverbs 24, 27 says, Prepare your outside work. Make it fit for yourself in the field, and afterwards, build your house. You know what that's called? Priorities. You can't have the house without the work. What a slap in the face to the crisis we have of the mortgage and the banking. We'll get into that a little bit. (laughs) Work teaches one's children 
the work ethic and the value of their parents. Hard work pays off. If you're a hard worker, you know that. You don't have to make a lot of money. You just have to know where you're at, live where you're at, and live by priorities and use common sense, and you'll get by. You won't bring those pressures on yourself. Consistent work adds up. Honest work lets you sleep. Proverbs eleven eighteen says, The wicked man does deceptive work, but he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. Everybody's into fast schemes. Get rich quick. If it's too good, it's, you shouldn't believe it. You understand? <laughs> work confirms the loving reliability of a man to his family and his accountability to God. Being his privilege as a head of the home, and it is a privilege. Being his duty as the stronger of the two made for work. Being aware of God's enablement and provisions through depending on God. Knocking on doors, praying before I go, Lord, go before me when I put this application, this resume. Knowing that God is good and that if I do my part working at getting a job, God will go before me. It is frustrating. It is hard. Sometimes it will be more difficult than others depending on the economy. But he's good. First Timothy 5, 6-8 says, But she who lives in pleasure is there while she lives. And that goes for a man too. And these things command that they may be blameless. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. The New Testament does not promote laziness or excuse people who are picky at work. He says you must work. Otherwise, he puts you in a worse category than the person who doesn't know God. Work is to be honest and honorable, having his house in order, to qualify for serving in the church. Did you realize that? Today, there's so much emphasis on, on, on CEO entrepreneurialism in the church, and the churches are being run like corporations rather than churches, and, and, and the ability to know marketing and all of this. And the Bible says your qualifications to serve in the church as well as mine is my family, my home. Not my diplomas, not being a CEO. First Timothy 3, 1 through 5 says, this is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop must be blameless, the husband of one wife, one wife at a time, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? And I think that many church boards and pastors have forgotten that the qualification is their homes and their ability to provide for them as the basis of who they are. 
proclamation, the commandment, is to expose a thief. <laughs> Pastor Xavier Reese, clocking out for today, being just midway through a study illustrating the virtues of an honest day's wage as relates to the Eighth Commandment, Thou shalt not steal. Now, just before we close, let me quickly mention that copies of today's study titled The Social Right of Ownership are available on CD for just $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. Now, the title to ask for once again is The Social Right of Ownership. Or you can mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 